Great, great to be with Oceanside again. We love it here. I've been given two hours this morning. Mike reminded me when I was leaving L.A. Two hours is two hours, Ivor. Come on now. Uh, I want to. Uh, he, he gave me a subject. He said, "This is what I want you to preach on." So I, I'm going to be true to that. But it is a subject that I love. I love talking about prayer, especially like talking about prayer for Canada. So I've called this Canada. We stand on guard for thee. I think that's the ultimate way to stand on guard for Canada is to pray. And we live in this great nation. What a privilege. How can we not help be thankful this morning? Amen. Uh, This nation was made great by God. It is great because our God is great. And down through the ages, people have prayed for this land. And I want to encourage us that our call is to pick up the torch now and continue to pray for this land that it might continue to be great. There's so much more that God wants to do. Uh, I know you've probably heard this before because I've heard Mike say it, but just to remind you again of some of the people that had input into the early days of Canada, uh, they revered the Lord. In fact, there were people who had significant input here who really loved the Lord, and I, I think Sir Samuel Leonard Tilley is a good example of that. He was actually a Sunday school teacher uh, leading uh, in Parliament and Sunday school teaching. That sounds good. But um, they were grappling at that time, as you know, in the 1800s, what, what are we going to call this thing? What, what is Canada? And uh, the story goes that in his prayer time in the morning, they were to make the decision that day, his normal prayer time, he was just reading through the word, and God took him to this scripture that's in Zechariah 9.10, that says his dominion shall be from sea to sea, from the river even to the ends of the earth. So we call it the dominion of Canada. And I think it's good to be reminded that that was God that gave that revelation. And so many revelations of other things that have happened in Canada over the years have been a result of God's people praying. Well, you read the history of Canada and you realize there's been input from a lot of godly men, but of course there's also been input input from a lot of ungodly men. But I think in the early days of this country, uh, there was more of a respect for God and for his word. That has long gone out the door. We're living in a country that doesn't have any respect on a general sense for God's word. And Jesus is not much more than a laugh or a swear word. But even when I was a boy, for those who grew up in the 50s in school, uh, we used to have a scripture reading every morning that was required. Uh, We all said the Lord's Prayer together and uh, we sang O Canada uh, every morning. That was a long time ago. That doesn't happen anymore. um, I just want to encourage you with, uh, I I think I've shared this here before. I do share it everywhere I go. But I I never was a history buff. I didn't like history. I was a science major in school, and history was a bore. But uh, I went for 10 years to Africa and just kind of picked up. I found while I was there, I thought, gee, I don't know anything about this country. I'm trying to minister here into Africa. So I started reading history books about Africa to try and pick up on what was going on. And I found this amazing thing. It is the more I read different books on history of South Africa and Southern Africa, I just started getting this heart for the country. So when I God called us back to Canada... I thought, boy, I've been so caught up in Africa for the last 10 years. Let me catch up on what Canada is all about. You know, you're kind of back in grade 8 or something, stuff you just sort of do by rote because you want the the mark. 
But I thought, well, let me read about Canada, see if the same thing happens. And I just started reading about different parts of Canada. I want to encourage you to do that uh, if you've never done that. If you're going on holidays this summer, there's some great books, especially books by Pierre Burton. They're just so well written uh, that, that open up the history of our country. And as you open up the history of Canada, Canada you begin to pick up God's heart for Canada and we need God's heart for Canada. One I might really recommend you, it's a thick book. I read it on holidays one summer. It's called Champlain's Dream. I don't know about you, but growing up, I didn't have much of a heart for Quebec. In fact, to be honest to you, uh, Quebec was kind of an irritation, you know. We're way on the other side of the... Like, I'm just being honest here. We're French people. Love me, love me, please. I need your love. But, you know, it seems like they got all this political clout, and, and here we had, when we went to school, we had to take four years of French in school, and it just all seems like a bit of an irritation and, and, and not fair, you know. Uh, that's kind of where I was as far as my understanding of Quebec. But I just read this book because I thought it'd be nice to pick up a heart for Quebec, and I read Champlain's Dream. If you're going to read any book, could I recommend that you read that? Because at the end of that book, I just had this passionate love for Quebec, Uh, that God imparted to me just from reading this book. And one of the amazing things that I found out, that Champlain, he he is responsible for Quebec being where it is today. He came out and he pioneered that thing and uh, broke ground there. But the guy who wrote the book, I mean, it's this long, thick thing with small writing. It It just captivated me. Uh, one summer, because this guy obviously is not a Christian or doesn't appear to be a Christian who's writing it. But Champlain was so in love with the Lord, it just, it comes through the pages whether you like it or not, you know. You can't write about Champlain and not reveal the fact that here was a man with a divine call from heaven, with divine ability. He had unusual abilities. He walked right into the center of 2,000 Iroquois armed to the teeth who were ready to kill him. And he just walked right into the middle of them with no arms or anything. He would often take a couple of guys with him uh, uh, with more than 2,000 people, uh, uh, Iroquois. And the Iroquois were a fierce nation. I'm just giving you one example. It goes on and on through this book. And the, he would say to the guys, put your sword. You can carry your sword, but don't take that sword out. Don't take your guns out. We're just going to walk. And they, they thought that he was an angel or something, the Iroquois. I mean, he had such favor with the different uh, people groups that were in Canada at that time. I could go on and on, but this man obviously loved the Lord, and he felt this divine call of God to plant the province of Quebec. Now, that makes a difference for how you understand Quebec. It's not an irritation anymore. This flavor that we have, this Frenchness that we have to Canada, that was divinely inspired and motivated and equipped by God to happen. But in this book, he brings out the fact that uh, Champlain at one stage realized that we've got to move to the next stage here. We're going to establish a colony here because all we've got is guys here, you know, guys that came and broke it open and pioneered it and very few ladies. So what Champlain did is he went back and convinced the king of France that they should send out 800 women ended up going. They became known as the Fils de Roy. And of those 800 women that came, with no prospects of anything in France, I mean, they were the lowest of the low. They had just grabbed as many women as they could find that were single and had no prospects, brought them over and married them off to the men there. And they were given the incentive of having babies. So many of these had at least a dozen kids, you know, 14, 15 kids. 
Uh, uh, there was, and, and they were given a track of land. If they would marry a man, they were given a track of land and they were given money, uh, incentives, and that's how Quebec got started. But the amazing thing is that when you're reading this book is that two-thirds of the people of Quebec can trace their roots back to those original 800 women. Now that is amazing because there isn't any other people group in Canada. Even the natives that were here, I don't think, can come up with that big a population of people who can trace their, their roots back 400 years to the founding fathers of Canada. You say, well, what's that got to do with the price of bread? I want to tell you, it has a huge, huge implication on your understanding of Quebec. We started planting into Quebec. We were praying for Quebec, contending for it, and that thing kind of went sideways. I, we need some people to plant into Quebec. We want to take Quebec. And I know some people in Ontario are sort of poised and wanting to do that. I said, man, you do that. I'll be right behind you. I'll be visiting you, you know. We want to get into Quebec. Anyways, I could go on about Champagne, but what I want to do say is that there are books about other regions of Canada. Read about our north. Read about the prairies. Read about these different sections of Canada and pick up God's heart for this nation. God's called us to pray for Canada. God wants us to pray for Canada. Samuel Chadwick, he uh, has got some great quotes. He uh, ran a theological seminary in England 1800s into the 1900s. Great, great man of God. Ravenhill was actually trained in his Bible school and influenced by him. But he said this, it would seem the biggest thing in God's universe is a man who prays. That is God's word. There is only one thing more amazing. That is that man knowing this does not pray. Actually, it's, it's kind of a heads up, you know, on the enemy's tactics. There are these two things that we're called to do. Uh, as God's people here to extend his kingdom in the earth. Two really major things. I mean, there's more to it. Establishing of a church and being involved and all the rest of it. But we're called to preach the gospel. We're called to pray. Two things. Well, guess where the biggest attack is, you know? Why is not that people don't preach the gospel, share their testimony? And why is it that people don't pray? The biggest prayer meeting in any church should be the prayer meeting. Everybody said, mm, I don't know. Come on. Why is there such an attack on that? I mean, I used to lead the thing when I was leading the church. Thanks for sending Mark down. I really appreciate it. He gets to do it now. He's doing a really great job. But I just, if I'm home, I don't want to miss a prayer meeting. It is the most exciting meeting that you'll ever get to go to. But I found this thing over the years about a prayer meeting. It's on Wednesday that I start, gee, I just feel tired, you know, or I got a hundred excuses not to go to the prayer meeting on a Wednesday. I don't feel that any other time. In the day, and I'm dragging my butt, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, it's Wednesday, right, you know. Come on, we're under war here. We're in a warfare here. This, we're under attack, you know. When you have those opportunities to share the gospel, boy, there's every reason not to do it, isn't there? But God has called us to pray. He's called us to come together. Personally and corporately, I want to encourage you. Pray, pray, pray. And I'm hopefully going to inspire you with seven different points here that we are quickly going to go through. Be encouraged. This is a holiday weekend. We want to get you out there enjoying that beautiful weather out there. My first one is, is that we're called to pray for the well-being of Canada. Jeremiah 29.7 says when Israel was going into Babylon, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile 
Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We're not too sure about that, you know, about praying for the well-being. Sometimes we think, gee, all those lost scallywags out there, we should be praying down judgment on them or something, you know. But I want to encourage you, this is Babylon that we're talking about, a completely immersed occultic society. And God is saying, I'm sending you into there. I want to bless you. You will be blessed as the nation is blessed. Speak blessing over the land. Because that's what our God is like. And he's called us to be like him. He sends the rain and the sun out on the just and the unjust. And that's why he calls us to speak blessings wherever we go. We're not to be a pain in the neck in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and the places in the market that we find ourselves. By the way, we're supposed to be a blessing. Somebody is walking around looking like a sour pickle with his judgment hanging over them is really not what the world needs, by the way. God wants to bless, and he wants you and us to bless. He has actually a special call on this country I want to remind you of, and that is to be a blessing to the nations. This nation needs to be blessed to be a blessing, and he's called us with that same kind of call. That's why we live in Canada. It's been prophetically declared in the past. I know Mike has these prophecies, so you probably heard them before. But I was reading through these in preparation for this. I thought, wow, I really need to hear this, you know. I needed to hear this again, even though I've shared these before. Around 1776, this prophecy was given by the Puritan reformers when the British Empire loyalists turned north to settle into Canada in order to remain under British rule. When zealous Americans sought to persecute them because of this decision, the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophet saying, Do not hinder these people. Let them move to Canada. Do not seek to incorporate the land of Canada into America. I am for the independence of America from Britain and will mightily use this country. But Canada has been reserved by me for the last days for a special work. That's encouraging, isn't it? Dr. Younger Cho, evidently, in 1975, here in Canada, said, When I came to Canada, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, Son, you have come to this place which I have chosen. This country is the country I chose to fill the gap. Being a Canadian is now a welcome hallmark throughout the whole world. You have the welcome door like the Philadelphia Church in Revelations. You have the finances, well-trained personnel, and a good church. God calls you to rise up to meet this challenge before Christ comes. A clear-cut clarion trumpet sound is coming to Canada. Rise up, Canada. God wants your young men and women to rise up and give their lives as living sacrifices. God needs your money, your business, your homes, your lives to be dedicated to him. God is dependent upon you. I know that you will do this. And evidently, in Saxville in 1984, Yonggi Cho was speaking again. Saxville is one of the districts of Halifax. We actually have a relating church there. At a church seminar, Dr. Yonggi Cho uh, reiterated the earlier prophecy and adding to it, five years ago, I visited Canada and traveled from Montreal to Vancouver by car. I was preaching from town to town, and while I was speaking, I felt somewhat depressed The Canadian church seemed so small. But whenever I went, wherever I went, the Holy Spirit spoke in my heart that God was going to raise up tremendous churches in Canada called Oceanside Church Nanaimo International. And that God, no, he didn't say that. (laughs) Uh, Just in case you... (laughs) 
This is like somebody to come to me afterwards and say, did he really say Oceanside? <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> yeah, what were we saying? In Canada, and that Canada would be used as a missionary sending church and that Canada would open the way for Jesus Christ to return to this earth. I was afraid to confess that, but when I was praying, the Spirit of the Lord would always impress my heart to say it. I was afraid because I already thought that America was was far greater than Canada. If ever God would use a country, he would use America instead of Canada. But again and again, God spoke to my heart that he was going to use Canada. So finally in Toronto, I prophesied as the Holy Spirit anointed me. I really believe that God is going to bless Canada and the Canadian church is going to rise up once again and go to the four corners of the world and to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to pave the way for his second coming. And everybody said, Amen. Bring it on, Lord. You're wondering how to pray for Canada. First and foremost, pray a blessing, an economic blessing on this country. Isn't it interesting, if you look historically, they tell us that Canada, Canada over any other nation in the world, has this heart that we're talking about. Because Canada has given more into missions than any, per capita than any other nation in the world, including the United States. Now that's amazing. That's a divine call of God burst into the hearts of people. And lately they've been telling us that Canada, more than any other nation in the world, has more volunteers, more people volunteering. Now listen. You've got generosity and a servant spirit. That's Canada. It's documented, you know. But just recently I heard this stat that go with it. That second only to the United States, Canada has the most entrepreneur spirits, more entrepreneurs in Canada than any other nation. That's amazing. So here's this ability to create wealth with a heart of serving and giving generously. That's got to be God. It's just not natural. Sorry about getting excited. That excites me. Wow, we're blessed to be a blessing. My second point is to pray for the government. Again, we're not so sure of that unless it's our government that's in power. I don't know about you, you know. I don't know whether I want to pray for so-and-so. I won't mention any names. We like praying when it's our guys that we voted for, you know. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't vote or we shouldn't try and get the right person into place. But God says that we're supposed to pray for them, whoever they are. You know? Just wanted to remind you of that. Romans 13.1, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Everybody said amen. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Verse 4, for he is God's servant to do you good. That is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Everybody said, I don't know about that. Let me try and get out as much tax paying as I can, you know. (laughs) No, God said, these are my servants. I have initiated. This is ordained of me for government. To rule a nation, they're my servants, and you need to see them as my servants. Whoever, This is talking about Caesar and the boys, just by the way, you know. Absolutely totalitarian society where these scriptures were birthed. Just as the guys that lead this church are God's servants, and we're called biblically to support them financially, 
and uh, send them out like you do. I, I hope you, uh, there's a, always a chance when I preach to commend you for the leaders that you have here. I don't know whether you realize the depth of the weight of authority that this couple carry, Mike and Deb, when they go places. Doesn't always get to teach, like all of us. You just go and hopefully get a chance now and then. But there's something about it when Mike speaks. He, He speaks with an authority. Mike and Deb have huge influence on the Canadian team and the influence that Canada has on other the rest of the team. I really like bringing on these young voices, young Canadian voices here. But we're called to support that. We need to get behind that, not just to look after this church here. They are God's servants to operate apostolically out there. And I want to commend you to be generous in that. Be generous in your heart. I know it's hard when you're, see, there they go again. And uh, I got all that when I was leading the church. Now they're not even sure whether I'm there or not, you know. Somebody else is running things. But uh, I really, really want to commend you. Here we are with the government. We have to pay our taxes. I think it's wise to do everything you can to get out of paying taxes and use that money for other things. But to recognize that they are God's servants also, those that lead this country, and we need to see them generously supported. First Timothy 2.11 says, urge, no, 2.1, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may have lived peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. First of all, you know, See, what should I pray about today? I don't know. I I don't like praying because I'm too sure what to pray about. Well, here you go. God says, first of all, make this a priority, in other words, to be praying for the government of your country because they're called to lead this country. It has an impact upon you. And if God can take an completely ungodly, occultic nation leader of Cyrus and bring his purposes about as God's people were praying... Isn't it interesting? I mean, Cyrus gets pushed out of the picture, and another guy takes over, Darius. And Darius backs up God's purposes, you know, dramatically. Put put the finances and the resource into it hugely to carry out God's purpose in the earth. I want to say to you, if God can use those guys, surely he can use those leading our country, whether you like them or not. They don't get into the habit, as we are wont to do, of complaining about our leaders, let's get behind them. God's saying, yeah. You know, as you're complaining to God, God's saying, yeah. <laughs> How much have you been praying for them? I want to encourage you to pray for them. The leaders that we have right now in Canada really need prayer. Pray for America while you're at it. I feel like this last year, I've spent more for America than I've ever prayed more for America than I ever have before. And we've certainly been doing that in our prayer meetings in the church in Victoria. Uh, we, we, this is a time, we need America to be great, by the way. By the way, you know. <laughs> I mean, the, the world, the nations of the world need America to be great. They are the champions of democracy around the world. And I appreciate they're not perfect like any other government's not perfect, but we really need to pray for them. My third one is to pray in the Spirit. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray. If you want to underline something in your Bible, would you underline that scripture right there? But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. We don't know how to pray as we ought. 
<laughs> a lot of people say, well, I, I don't like going to prayer. I, mean, I don't know how to pray, you know. Good. That's great. Now you're qualified. That's your best qualification. I don't know how to pray. We need people who don't know how to pray. We don't need people coming with all kinds of agendas and ideas about how we should pray. We need people who don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. And when you're leading the thing, you really wonder what God's going to do in this meeting, you know. But it's amazing when you come together. I mean, sometimes you have dry meetings, and I think sometimes the dry meetings are probably were really counting, you know. Years ago, I felt we were to get a prayer group before we went to Africa and pray in the church. We had a guy who got saved in his 80s, and he used to weep all the time. He couldn't believe he wasted all his life. Hugely successful businessman, man of huge influence in Victoria. This is back in the early 80s. He comes to the Lord, and he, he just wept all the time. He started talking. He, he just felt like his life was so wasted. But he said, God, I'm going to make every breath that I have until I die come for you. And he just wanted to pray. And he would come to our church prayer meetings, but this was a special thing we were doing. We did it in the church. And, but he would come in every day and sit at the back of the church. He'd go to the office, say to the leader of the church, tell me what I need to pray for today. He'd sit in the back of the church every day and just weep and cry and pray for the church. So he's back there doing that. We've got this little group. And we were praying for something specifically. I can't remember. It was really a breakthrough. We'd fasted and prayed, and now we're really going to count now again. It's the toughest prayer meeting I ever have been in. You know, it's just, you could hardly open your mouth, and we just felt like this is dead and dry. We're not getting anywhere. So I kind of dragged myself home thinking, what was that all about, you know? And I get a phone call from him, and he said, I just felt like God told me. I couldn't hear what you're praying about up there, but he said, I felt the Lord say, phone Ivor and tell him the impact that you had in the heavens today was huge, you know. You, you I can't remember all the stuff he said, but... I just want to say that whether it's, you know, gangbusters dancing off the ceiling or whether it's dry, there's power in prayer, whatever it looks like or sounds like. Just do it. Just pray. Just come with us and pray. We don't know what we're doing. Great. That's good. God does. And he prays through us. And anyways, the spirit here in this scripture promises to pray through us if we'll allow him to, you know. Paul said, I pray with my understanding and I pray in the Spirit. You know. So I recommend that to you. Just come and pray in tongues. Just be there. Don't pray anything. Just be with us. Just pray in tongues. You know. There's the beauty of just going in and out of prayer. I can pray for hours, not because I don't know how people do it who don't pray in tongues. You know, <laughs> I just get lost in God. I'm singing in the Spirit, and then I'm singing with my understanding, and then I'm praying in my understanding, and then I'm praying in the Spirit. You can just do that for hours, and God begins to inspire and give revelations and stuff. That's so boring, right? <laughs> honestly. I can't, honestly, I cannot understand why the prayer meeting is not packed out. I really can't. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Anyways, I hope I, I'm not boring you. My fourth one is, is to pray for righteousness. We were doing that this morning here. In the prayer meeting, Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but the sin is a disgrace to any people. We want to pray for Canada to be great. Righteousness, right living, the standard that we find in God's word. We need that. That makes a nation strong. The opposite pulls the nation down and is a disgrace to any people. 
that all of God's words, that people don't realize these good values that we have are, are from centuries into the past of people who have embraced God's word. And it's had an effect on future generations, even without them realizing it. But it's all quickly being bailed, isn't it? As we pray, people can make choices, righteous choices. Government can make righteous choices as we pray without being saved or not even realizing, you know. I mean, you, you think of some of your neighbors. I think a lot of marriages are train wrecks. But there's a lot of neighbors around there. just good people. They're building on biblical principles. They are committed to one another. They're committed to seeing their uh, family strong. They're committed to putting values into their kids of honesty and integrity and all this. Where did all that come from? That's a Judo-Christian background that we have. And as we pray, I, I expect people to be changed. I'd love to see them get saved. That's first and foremost. But boy, they start making righteous decisions as we pray for the nation. You know, there are all these little interest groups. Isn't it interesting to see? It's, it's a funny dynamic. I think our, our, our inclusive heart that Canada has, we're peacemakers, just fuels this thing. But we've got these little interest groups. There's this small percentage that believe in certain things, and suddenly the whole nation is is swept with the thing, and it becomes law, and, and you're a nutcase if you believe opposite. I think, how did the little 5% of the people push this whole thing through, you know? I think it's because we're not praying enough. I really do. I think we need to pray. It's interesting that other religions, you know, as we're praying for the righteousness of this country, they may not believe in the same Allah that we believe in. But I tell you, there are people who have embraced God's standards in their religions, and they're coming into this country, and they're having more of a voice and more of an impact than the Christians are. The Christians all dumbed back and given up. You've got these people coming and going, no, this is wrong, you know. I mean, there are Catholics just pouring in from other countries, you know. Latino countries are so Catholic. And those voices say, no, abortion's wrong, <laughs> Abortion is the most horrendous genocide that the world has ever known. There are millions of babies being slaughtered every, is it every day in the world probably? Certainly every year. Millions of them, you know. We're just sitting back going, well, it's, it's this accepted thing now. And you see these boys, Muslims guys standing up going, no, this is wrong. You look at a parade for, uh, anyways, I'm not going to get on about it. I don't want to get about all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but what I do want to say is, is that we pray and we contend it has an impact. Slavery is wrong. A William Wilberforce stands up. You know, understand that the day slavery was so infused into the, the psyche and the, the society at the day that people had given up. It's just, yeah, that's not right, but it, what can we do about it, you know? We do the same thing today. What poor pornography? I mean, I must think, I, I thought, what can you do? I mean, what can we do except challenge individuals? But there's a young guy that I met in Canada who's championing this thing. And when you talk to him, it's like talking to William Wilberforce. I think, hello, God's produced something out of our prayers, you know. This young guy gives you hope. You think, yeah, we don't have to put up with this. We can do something about this. I don't want to tell you that same young guy and his family is just under a huge attack, you know. 
see some of those guys rise up. The William William Wilberforce was just so sickly all his days. That guy was under huge attack. But he just hung in there and hung in there, and they kept praying, and they pushed this thing through that seemed so impossible. There are some things today that seem so impossible. God's calling us to pray and contend for the William Wilberforces of our day to rise up. My fifth one is to pray for revival. Isaiah 64, 1 says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. The mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. How many know we need Canada to quake a little bit in these hours, you know? I mean, we got it so good here. Yeah, I hope you realize you're the small 0.1% of the world, you know. I mean, we could be somewhere else, you know. We don't want it to quake too much yet. We don't want it to quake too much on the West Coast, especially. <laughs> I think it's an unfortunate terminology there. But how many know that if that, that case over in Asia there was to just lob one, just one missile, and it was get close to North America? There would be a quaking, you know. I'm praying that won't happen. I'm not trying to speak that over. But I'm saying we need some sort of quaking to get us out of our complacency. And understand this the greatness of what we have. We need to pray for it and contend for it. And see voices rise up in our nation. This scripture that I just read in Isaiah 64 was the prayer of the Welsh revival. Whole nation changed overnight, you know. We need, how many know we need that in Canada right now? Yeah. We need these two things happen. We need the Wilberforces to rise. But Wilberforce was risen up in the midst of revival. The, the Methodist revival was going on. So you got these two things coming together and the country gets stuck in the middle. You got revival where suddenly people's eyes are open to the, the sin of the land. And you've, and you've got William Wilberforces rising up and guys working politically to change things. And the nation just gets squeezed in the middle of it, you know. If we want to see things change in this Canada, if we want to pray for righteousness in this land, we need to pray for revival. Something's got to, you can't sort of force things onto people. It has to come from their heart. Grassroots from the heart of people is going to change this nation. And anyways, it's going to give them the greatest change they need, and that is to be birthed into the kingdom. Yeah. We need people to get saved. Canada's had many waves over the years. I'm amazed. I, I think you have heard of every revival. I've just researched this, and I'm, I'm a revival junkie. Everywhere I go, I ask people. But I just continue to hear. It's, just, it's like major moves we've had right across the nation that have affected the world. But also, there's little pockets of stuff. Somebody was telling me about something that happened on the East Coast. I never heard about that. And many of these things just happened in denominations. Just suddenly all the Baptists in eastern Canada just have this wave of revival. Churches doubled, tripled overnight. People getting saved and everybody going, how did that happen? We're not doing anything different. You know? How many people got saved in the charismatic move like me? Anybody here? There's a few of us. I mean, there's no reason for me to get saved. It was just, most of them are too young. Yeah. <laughs> charismatic move, what's that, you know? Like my grandkids, I tell them things and they go, what is that, you know? <laughs> a phone? <laughs> What's a phone, Grandpa? 
But there's no reason for all of us to get saved around the world. It's just a round-the-world move of God where thousands of us got saved, millions of us got saved in the charismatic move. And there have been these other moves too. And we're ripe for it in Canada. We need God to shake this nation, shake people into the kingdom. My sixth one is to pray for the church, Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. If my people, probably should have put this at the beginning. I mean, we're looking at all these other things, but God's saying, hey, if my people, that's God's injunction, if my people, my people affect the climate in the nation. You can have an impact. If they seek my face, focus off of self to focus on to God. Turn from their wicked ways. Change from compromise to repentance and pray from lukewarm to holy fire. From instant gratification to solid foundations. From pride and independence to humility and working together. From divided church to united church. You could just go on and on. But these are the fruits of revival. And this is what God says he's looking for in his church. If we will pray. If my people will call for my name. Will humble themselves and pray. There is a complacency in the church right now. That we need to contend for the church. We need to contend for ourselves. We need to get saved. Every revival that has happened around the world has been started by a group of people, or or the climate before then is people coming together, suddenly praying and crying out in groups, praying together, contending. If my people... There isn't any formula. I want to remind us of that. Or you could just take Charles Finney's keys to revival and just implement each of those, and suddenly we'd have revival. I already found that hasn't happened, you know. There isn't any buttons that you can push. But there is this promise from God that if we will seek him with our whole heart, you know, if my people will turn from their wicked ways and pray, then will I hear from heaven. That is an ongoing, ongoing prayer that we need to make and call for. Here's my last point, the seventh one, is to pray with gratitude. First Timothy 2, 1 I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. I just want to encourage us in closing off here. I mean, as you know, you start talking about your country, and it's great and everything. I'm trying to keep that edge to it. But we know there's some great needs in Canada. How many found in the workplace in the world is just complaining? You, You want to go... You live in Canada. You live in the best nation in the world. It doesn't matter how good it is. People are going to complain, you know. Don't get into that complaining in your prayer. Get, stay in a place of gratitude. Gratitude is the fuel of faith. Faith inspires gratitude. Gratitude inspires faith. You want to stay in that place when you pray personally. You want to stay in that place when you pray corporately. Contend for this great nation. It is the greatest nation on earth. I am convinced. I hope you are convinced also. We have the huge privilege of living in this land. But the only way it's going to stay great and get greater and fulfill everything that God has called it to is as we pray. We are called to pray. If you have a hard time believing this is a great country, I really challenge you, if you've never been to one before, go down to one of these inaugurate or whatever they call it and bringing people into the country where they're suddenly recognized they have a service 
you get up and say something about the country. And I, I never go in those expecting to be so moved, but I cry in every one I've been in. I've been in a few of them on Canada Day. Different people in the church who've come into the country, and now suddenly they're being brought in as Canadians. And you look around that room, 200 people in the, at least 200 people in the governor's house in Victoria. I've been in there a couple of times on Canada Day. You look around that room, everybody is so obviously from somewhere. And they're just moved. It is moving. You look around the room and you realize all of these people paid a price to get here. They desperately wanted to get into this country and they've had to leave family and friends who wanted to do it too but couldn't make it. Every one of them's got a story and if you talk to them, it's amazing stories of what people have come out of and they just want to kiss the ground, you know. It's just, don't take this country lightly. Stay in a place of gratitude for what we've, we've got here. You know, the reality is that all of us have come from somewhere in this country and you can go back maybe as French Canadians 400 years, but most of us don't go back that far. I am so glad that my grandfather decided he, he was part of a Welsh a uh, community that was uh, pioneered into Argentina. They were offered, like other countries of the world, Argentina offered people in Europe, you can have free land. You just come and homestead that thing and get it operating, and it's yours, you know. So my great-grandfather thought, great. And one of his boys, my grandfather, grew up in that place, speaking Spanish and Welsh. Evidently, the village that's there, they only speak Welsh. They don't speak English, though. So. I wouldn't have learned English if I'd stayed, you know. But my grandfather, evidently, he went to Wales when he wanted to get married, and he met my grandmother there. My grandmother actually had sung in a choir in the, in the uh, Welsh revival. So that's a neat heritage to have. But he meets my grandmother, falls in love, and I always thought they decided to go to Canada. But I heard recently from an aunt that they didn't actually. They came to Canada trying to get the money to get back to Argentina, but they kept having kids, six of them, you know. <laughs> By the time they had six kids, I think they just kind of gave up. I mean, we're never going to make it, you know. But I'm really glad that he just worked his way across the country and ended up on the West Coast, or my dad never would have met my mother, and I never would have been born. And who knows where I would have ended up if I even existed. One of my grandkids the other day said to me, so tell me, how did you meet Grandma, you know, little mate? And I said, well, you know, it was in a biology lab at the University of Victoria. And the lab instructor said, you're going to need to pair up this year, you know. So I didn't know anybody. I just turned to this pretty little thing sitting next to me. I said, you want to be a partner? My story is I only meant for the year. You know, I just was talking about a year. Forty-some years later, here we are, you know. Forty-six, I think. <laughs> But, uh, but so my, my grandkid, you know, with a serious face, looked at me and said, so if you hadn't decided to go to university and grandma didn't go to university, you never would have met. I said, yeah, and your mom never would have existed, neither would you, you know. And they went, wow, you know, wow. <laughs> Aren't you glad that somewhere back in your history or past or you were able to actually get here? It could be some people in this room who actually decided to come to Canada in their generation but most of us, there's somebody in the past that allowed us to live in this great country. Don't take it for granted. Celebrate this day. Wear some red with pride. And pray for this country. God is great. 150 years. Amen? That's amazing. Samuel Chadwick, I'm going to finish off with one of his quotes again. The reason so many people do not pray is because of its cost. The cost is not so much in the sweat 
with agonizing supplication as in the daily fidelity to the life of prayer. There is this ploddingness that goes to prayer. You know? We all would like to see the quick fix. We all like the quick answers to prayer. But there is, especially when it comes to praying for Canada, you just have to pray, keep on praying, keep on praying. Your daily times, if you don't know what to pray for, pray for Canada. Come together and pray corporately. Let's keep plodding on. Let's stand on guard for Canada. Amen. Amen. God bless you.